Hello there. Hello. How are you today? I am very, very good. Nice, nice. Anything new? Anything new since last week? I don't know. I can't really remember what I said last week. <laughs> wondering in life. Anything new in life? I've moved my room around, so I've got loads of space now, and I've got a new phone. I'd say that's pretty good. I can actually, yeah, hey. I can actually move now in my room. It's actually nice. It's great. Not that anyone ever gets to see it, but oh well. No, no one gets to see it. We're not on video. But, that, oh, that means nothing for the people listening, but good on yeah. you, good on you. But I am going to see Bring Me The Horizon tomorrow night. King, yes. Get in. Yay. Oh, I'm so excited. I've seen the set list and I am <laughs> so ready for it. They've put some of the really old stuff on it, which they don't really <laughs> normally do. They don't play anything past... <laughs> Anything before Sep Eternal, they don't really tend to do live, but they've actually added in Diamonds Aren't Forever, which is from the Suicide Season album, and I am so excited. Yeah, that's uh, my favourite song, but I, I don't, I don't, I don't check that list before gigs. I like the element of surprise. It's kind of. I just don't. I just don't like. It was, to be fair, it was one of those where Ollie Sykes took a picture like. It was like a close up of the set list, so you couldn't really make out all the words, but you just saw like the middle part of diamonds, and everyone, oh my god! So, thingy, I think he did that because we all would be like, "What the fuck?" Because <laughs> that is a song that they don't really do. They, but they did do Chelsea Smile at one of their shows about a month or so back. So, I don't know. Maybe they're bringing in the new stuff, the old stuff again. Maybe they're bringing it back. It'd be interesting to see, but uh, that's not. We're not here to talk about Bring Me the Horizon, even though I could do it for fucking hours. We're here yeah. to talk about murder. Yeah, um, yeah. I'm actually really excited to do today's episode. Interesting. I am very excited to do today's episode. Um, there's one that I'm pretty sure I said last time. Uh, so beforehand, I have a list of people. This person wasn't even on my list, but I'm glad that I have covered this person. And yeah, um, something I didn't know about, but now I, I, I do. Um, but yeah, I, I thought I'd stick kind of within the theme from what you did last week. Um, because I don't know, I don't think I said it in the episode, but I, I found there was a Wikipedia article which had uh, people who'd committed crimes within the realm of sports. And granted, all of them weren't serial killers or murderers. There's other crimes as well, like drug trafficking uh, and all sorts of other stuff. But there was um, some areas in here that piqued my interest. And there's one of them, which is an area of sports which I really, really do like. And there was someone in the area who did this, and I hadn't heard of this person before. I heard of many um, other famous names within this sporting industry or this sport, but I had never heard of this person. So when I did my research, I was like, "Yes, I, if I'm cover, if out of any of the two who's covering this person, it's me because I like this sport the most." And yeah, so this one should be very, very interesting. Um, so yeah, uh, 
it's a bit of a weird one, this, because it didn't happen recently. But I don't think people would know this one if they either weren't around at the time within the area of prominence of when this all sort of happened, or they um, aren't into the sport. I feel like with Oscar, Oscar Pistorius, the last one we did, people knew about it because granted it was in the media but he was in the olympics and even if you weren't into sports you just his name was there and it was known about yeah yeah that's, that's a good point uh because you know how there's stuff that happens in certain realms of stuff uh like when i did randy stare mm. you know if you if you if you know nothing about the internet or you're not into youtube or that period of youtube you'd have no idea unless you knew about YouTuber, YouTuber is that thing. So this is one of those cases. So we're going to cover a case of a killer in the realm of... Well, have a guess. What, what, what sport do you think I've gone with? I don't know. My brain went to football. Because there's been a lot of wrongings in football. There has, yes. Or soccer, what you want to call it. But it's not that. It's, it's not that. Oh, if anyone calls it soccer, get to fucking the bin. It's not soccer, it's football. Yes. No, it's not football. What? Oh, all right. Okay. I thought you said that it's not called football. Okay, so who... No, it's not football. Okay, what what sport? We are covering uh, the case of... I think I'm saying the last name right. Mark Rogowski. Or Rogowski, however you say it. But yes, Mark Ro- Rogowski. 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 But yes, a very famous or once famous professional in the realm of skateboarding. Oh. Okay. Yeah, so I will I I'll preference uh, we'll, we'll talk uh, the disclaimer in this one. Nothing really heavy. We do mention I think blood, rape, uh use of force like strangulation uh, and Yes, I'm not sure. There might be some other stuff if I, if I, like I always say, if I forget it now and I see it come up in my notes, I will then uh, speak about it then. But yes, and I will say in this one, uh, I may refer to him with three names. I may go by the first name Mark, the last name, or his uh, nickname because skaters have nicknames which they're more probably known by, uh, or not. But yes, this is going to be a very interesting one. I've got a lot in this. Because Murderpedia had a lot of good stuff in here, so... Yes, I'm just making sure that all my notes are somewhat correct. But yes, I don't think you've ever heard of this guy. I'm just going to say this, I don't think you've ever heard of this guy before. No, definitely not. <laughs> well, I, d- I don't know what your knowledge of skateboarding uh, is like. I've not got a massive amount of knowledge on it. I do like that it's now an Olympic sport. I'm happy about that. Um, you can at least name some skateboarders, right? Like Tony Hawk, like everyone else would. But then also, no one else. No, no, you know what? You know what? Because because wrestling as well. Because he's also a wrestler. Darby Allen, sure. And uh, Bam, who was in Jackass. <sighs> but Darby Allen's like a niche one, technically in a way, because he's a he's a skateboarder, but he's also a wrestler, and he uses his skateboard in the ring. Bite me. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Um. 
I mean, is he actually professional in skateboarding, though? Did anything professionally in skateboarding, though? I think he is, you know. I think he actually is. Because mm, it's fair enough someone who do can skateboard, but if this guy's known for wrestling... I will say this Darby guy looks cool. I love this sort of half and half. Oh, yeah. Face paint kind of thing. He, he has a, don't, I think that he said the reason for that is because like he witnessed his uncle die when he was a kid, so he cla- he was in the same car accident, but he lived, so he classes himself as half-dead. Ah, so, uh, there's a skateboard. I see it now. Yeah, yeah. No. He's, he's, he's very good friends with, like, Tony Hawk as well. Yes, but everyone knows Tony Hawk and... Yeah, everyone's played the games. Uh, and bam. But yes, we are going to talk about Mark Rogowski, or Rogowski, I'm not sure how exactly you say it. But yes, so um, his full name is Mark Anthony... Rogowski, so I may be referring to him as Mark or Rogowski. He was born on August August 10th, 1966, uh, in Brooklyn, New York, US. And the other name, which I probably refer to him quite a lot, is Gator, which is his nickname, because tons of skaters have nicknames. You know, everyone calls him Tony Hawk, but it's Birdman, the Birdman. You know what I mean? Skaters have nicknames. When you're famous, you have a nickname associated with you. Wrestlers probably have the same. Footballers have the same. There's the same a lot of professions where someone just has a nickname. It's and that's what it is. Yeah, wrestling is your wrestling name. Some people pick their actual name. But, yeah, a lot of, like, um, like, Edge. Everyone calls him Edge, but because that's his wrestling name. But his name's actually Adam Copeland. Like, there's a... Yeah, yeah but like... in, the, in, in the sense of there's some people, like, uh, last year at Comic-Con, I met... Um, Jim McDuggan, but Jim Hacksaw, Hacksaw, you know, like the just one word sort of thing. But yeah, people have this sort of like, like either their main name, or unless they go by an absolute pseudonym, completely, you know. But yeah, he, uh, his other names uh, is Gator, and he is a uh, professional. Uh, once was a professional skateboarder, very famous skateboarder, and. Very famous skateboarder in the 80s and early 90s. Skateboarding is still popular now, but in like prime early skating days, this guy was like a big, a big, big deal. A big deal, as we will soon find out. So, um, yeah, I'm excited to get into this. I should say in preference in terms of me and liking skateboarding... Um, I can't skate myself, but I've always been a massive fan. Uh, massive fan of the Tony Hawk's games for years. Um, and massive into the skateboarding culture. And a, a lot of the music I listen to is predominantly music that's associated with the skateboard culture. Uh, I do own a couple boards. Used to try and learn when I was a kid. I do have one sitting right next to me because I bought Pro, I bought Pro Skater 1 and 2, the Ultimate Edition, or the Collector's Edition, and you... Get, I got a board with it, so I actually have a bird. It's a it's a reissue board of Tony Hawk's OG Birdman board. I'm not sure, but each of the tops of the boards, I believe, in each collector's edition were different. So the top of my board is this purple color, which is super sick. Um, but um, yeah, I, I'm a fan of skateboarding. But yes, I hadn't heard of this guy, so this was new to me. So Mark. Rogowski was born in Brooklyn, New York, but moved to Escondido, California, at the age of three with his brother and mum after his parents' divorce. 
California being a very, very significant, prominent area in the rise of skateboarding and skating in general, as, as amongst many other things, hence why it is my favorite state in the US. While people are listening are probably thinking, now, oh, California is rubbish, you know, that's a super state to have. But it's my favorite state for skating being one of the reasons. So yes, he moved to California at the age of three with his brother and mom after his parents divorced. He was a gifted athlete playing little league baseball in his youth and he started to skateboard at age seven and while most of his friends were into surfing, uh, he eventually started to hang out at skate parks several years later. Surfing was a big thing in California and I think it still is now. Um, oh, yeah, they have skate parks dotted around everywhere, especially near the beaches. Oh, uh, yeah, I think surfing and skating are the two biggest things associate California with surfing probably way earlier, especially with the whole Beach Boys surfing on the coast sort of thing. But um, this, I think around about the 80s, it's a time where still a lot of people would just surf and would get into surfing, but then there's people who were, because the rise of skating, people were getting into skating. Uh, you know, like over here, a lot of kids, uh, we this surfing isn't like a big thing, but football's a big thing. So as a kid, a lot of kids just play football because it's part of the culture. And people either play it just because that's what you do as a kid or people take it further. But it's still one of those things that almost every kid kind of does at some point if you're a boy or even girls as well, because it's kind of ingrained in the culture. You get that in other places as well. And like Brazil, street football... In, um, in India, like cricket and that sort of thing, it's just something that's just part of the culture and a big thing. So he started to hang out at skate park several years later. Um, <clears throat> Rogowski said to Thrasher magazine, which Thrasher is the biggest skate, I think the biggest skateboard magazine. You've probably definitely heard the name Thrasher before, or at least seen the Thrasher logo. I've seen so many... Yes. I'm, I'm going to out people here, but I've seen so many girls and stuff that just wear the Thrasher t-shirt and just have no idea or have never read Thrasher magazine at all. How do you know? Um, How, you do can, you know? Uh, How do you know? You're assuming that you're doing the gatekeeping shit there. I'm not trying to gatekeep, but from some of the people I have seen, I know because of who they are when I've spoke to them. But there's people who I've seen out with it who I generally know have listened to who've, who've done it. But I'm not trying to gatekeep, but you know yourself, right? If you saw a girl out and about and she was wearing like a Bring Me The Horizon top, mm -hmm. but you knew for a fact she couldn't name a Bring Me The Horizon song, I wouldn't. then no, you know what I mean. Not, I, I don't know if it's just me, but I don't really care because <laughs> I, just, I just genuinely don't care. I don't care, but you know when you can kind of tell and you wish, you, you know, you can't really spark to up be, that conversation. To be, to be fair, like... I've met so many girls now that you would not, you'd look at them and you wouldn't assume they listen to my kind of music, like, at all, but they do. Like, they look very, in society's terms, of normal, like, and, and everything. You wouldn't assume that they like that kind of stuff, because I remember, yeah. I remember at work, we, had, we were hosting this event, and um, one of the girls was talking to me afterwards, and obviously, I, you look at me and you know roughly what music I kind of like and I don't really hide it. This girl came up to me, looks ev you look her and you think Taylor Swift only, right? And she just comes up to me and she just goes, oh yeah me and my boyfriend have just gotten tickets to see Lorna Shore and I looked at her and went, huh? 
what? And she was like, yeah. yeah. I was like, oh, fucking fair play. I would not have assumed. Oh, nice. I love it, though. I love it when they don't look like they listen to that kind of music and it shock you. I'm like, oh, mm-hmm. fucking, I love you. You're great. Yeah. I don't want to make myself seem like a gatekeeper, but I have had times where I've seen someone with that and I've gone, oh, yeah. And then I've tried to speak to them about it and they've gone, oh, I don't know. And I've been like, oh, okay. And it, it, it puts me down a bit because I'm like, oh, I, I generally thought that you were into that. And then it's a bit like, eh. But, but yes. I've, I've seen, and I've, I think the Thra- Thrasher has that like iconic logo as well, where it's got like the um, the sort of like the colouring of it and the, the inflames on it. I think people yeah, just get it. If you see someone wearing a Thrasher shirt or hoodie, like you tend to, you're, they will, you'll look down, they're most likely wearing Vans. Most likely have a checkered, yeah. most likely have a checkered shirt on. Uh, like they, they, it, there's there's a big group for it. It's definitely the like people who wear Thrasher shirts. I've always met that that I've met. I've always loved pop punk. they one of their favorite bands. Might be Neck Deep, uh, or Blink One Eighty Two. Uh, they'll wear a checkered uh, shirt over it with like back with like denim jeans, and they'll wear or or shorts, and they'll wear a pair of Vans. Most of the checkered vans. Yeah. <laughs> Thrasher, we, I'll talk about Thrasher a couple of times because, um, well, it's a predominant thing in skating and he's he, he's done some interviews for it and stuff because uh, in this one, he said to Thrasher Magazine interviewer, MFO, in 1987, I grew up without a father from day one and my brother kind of filled that gap. He was a bitch and influence on me. He made me a good baseball player and athlete in general. What was cool was that he was stoked that I was skating too. Skating was somewhat deviant. By 1977, uh, uh, Rogowski was skating regularly, but because he didn't have as much money as his friends, he didn't quite fit in. He told Thrasher, I was a social outcast back then. My fellow skater friends were all hyped on the surf thing. Who had a board, what board, the newest OPs, and who had a hang 10 shirt? There I was running around in tough skins, you know. They were all wrapped up in the fashion and those type of superficial interests. They ended up fading out, and I fucking lasted. Uh, Rogowski got his chops down at local skate parks, half pipes, moguls, and pool in the shape of a bra dubbed the 4-2-D bowl, and he found a new set of skating friends. He said, these guys were so into it, having such a good time sweating and laughing and cracking jokes and just snaking each other it was full it was a full soul session everybody was just slurping it up when they went into the ball their expressions changed to a going into battle expression going for it no holds barred when they popped out of the ball they'd get a smile on their faces and yelp and chime it was hot In 1978, an obvious talent, he was picked up by the skateboard team and began winning local contests. Now we're going to talk a bit about his rise to prominence because skating becomes somewhat of a massive phenomenon. Um, I don't know how quick it becomes a phenomenon, but especially like the 80s and the 90s, the, and then the late 90s when it becomes more of a... Uh, thing with the whole Tony Hawk's Pro Skater video game, it just blows it into the mainstream for people who aren't even who weren't even skating, liked skating. Um, yes, it becomes like a huge thing. But he he's a big uh, 
icon in the 80s skating and a specific type of skating which we will ex- um, explain about. So he started his professional skate career in 1980 at the age of 14. Bigger sponsors followed, and in 1982, he won the Canadian Amateur Skateboarding Championships in Vancouver, his first major title. With his green eyes and dark, lean, good looks, charming personality, and aggressive physical skating style, Tony Hawk, uh, Steve Calvarero, Lance Mountain, and Christian Hosoy rounded out the trivium of 1980 skating superstars famous for vert skating. Um... Hawk said that Hawk uh, Birdman or Hawk Tony Hawk said that was a great time for us. We were making a ton of money. We flew all over the world. There were skating groupies at every stop. It was pretty cool to see a bunch of guys from San Diego County at the center of this huge thing. No doubt we were stoked. In 1984, he won a national championship. Uh, Rogowski soon received endorsement deals from Gullwind Trucks and GNS early in his career. He was the first skateboarder to receive his own pro deck by Vision Sports, and his pro deck proved popular and was soon followed by the Mark Gonzalez and Tony Goholski models. A primary vehicle for the wealth of pro skaters was skate deck board sales, and Gator was one of the hottest tickets in the market too. A Gator skate deck. Uh, the board it was decorated with his nickname, rendered in an OP or vortex, or a pastel quasi-African design. Sand wheels and suspension would sell up to $50, of which Skater would receive $2. Now, um, I have had a look at this uh, skateboard deck. Uh, quite an interesting uh, and quite psychedelic design. It has that sort of, um, what do you call, optical illusion-esque to it. If if one if one would have a look at, if one saw it, if you look at an image of it, it's got that sort of like swirling vortex, optical illusion style, and his name is plastered right on the bottom. So like, if you're skateboarding, or around that time if you're skating, and someone sees your board, they know it's a gator board. One, because it's iconic design, but his name's on it, along with Vision, the company. And I'd assume, especially around that time, because the boards were being proved popular, every kid wanted one. You know, like at Christmas, where kids are like, oh, I want this so badly. I have a feeling in like the skateboarding scene in uh, California for Christmas, I was like, I got a gator board, and everyone was riding the gator board. And there's many people now who've got as many famous boards now. You've got like Plan, Plan B, have boards, Birdman have boards. There's so many companies out there. But yeah, he would receive $2, um, and at the peak, at their peak, monthly sales of the Gator board received 7000 earning him an easy 14k, which in uh, which is 36k in 2014. So he, he made a lot of money. Monthly sales, he made 36k uh, in today's money worth in monthly sales just from his boards alone that he would sell. But the cash didn't end there because also he had high contest winnings because you win money for the contests and lent his name to a slew of products made by Vision Sports, uh, the the company that merchandised him. There were Gator shirts, berets, hip packs, video stickers, posters. It seemed literally Coots could not get enough of him. And he was actually soon featured on the cover of Thrasher magazine for the first time in June 1984. And he would go on to be featured on the cover of Trans World Skateboarding in October 1985. 
He was featured on the cover of both magazines again in July and October 1987, as well uh, as well. Perry Gladstone, who owns FL, formerly Fish Lips, a skating, uh, skateboarding company near San Diego, said, Gator, Gator, Gator. Every issue of Thrasher had Gator doing something. He was always a part of everything. There were Gator stories, Gator spreads, full-paced Gator ads. He was a hero to us. We'd read about their parties, the girls. You've got to understand, top skaters were like rock stars, traveling all over the world, living the life. And Gator was the wildest of them all. Gator said in the 87 Thrasher interview when he talked about the rush he got from riding walls at gold degrees and... On the left, in quotation marks, on the left side of the picture, there's a bomb with a bottle or a junkie with a needle hanging out of his arm. And on the right side, there's a skater, sweating now and cussing at the wall and bam, fucking forging reality, pushing his body up the wall. One of the benefits of this, said Gator, was that it was a real productive way of venting some, some way harsh aggression. Instead of breaking a bottle and slashing somebody's face, you're throwing yourself at a wall with sweat dripping in your eyes. Uh, Gator boasted to friends that while touring the South, he would walk into liquor stores and 7-Eleven, start naked, rob them, then got drunk in the cornfields while police helicopters searched for him overhead. In 1986, Rogowski was detained by police in Virginia Beach, VA, after assaulting an officer in the parking lot of Mount Trashmore Park during the East Coast Pro Contest. So, he's pretty much a pretty big deal. Boards featured in Thrasher magazine. It was like the skater, along with others, that the kids would just talk about. From what it seems, that in the magazines there was just always something about him, like he was being mentioned all the time. And like he said it, and in his eyes, Skater was saying that skating was a way of not, you know, not relapsing into a bad life. Like, and I can understand that, you know, taking the sense of like. For me, music, you know, there's so much bad things that people can do in life, you know, but music is like a way out, and it's always been a way out for me. No matter what problems I have, I can use music as my way of getting it all out in a way that's not going to cause harm. If I'm feeling bad, down, angry, music's just there, and it's my way of getting everything out without causing any issues. And it's like that for many people, you know, People watch comfort shows, watch this, because that's what they feel like gets them through that thing. And obviously to Gator and others, skateboarding was their way of life. Everything he knew was skating. And he felt like no matter what was going on, skating was a way that he could get his aggression and everything and just let it all loose, which I can, which I can see. You know, the rush, the thrill of that sort of thing. And plus, he's at the top of his game, you know. What more could you want? He's earning shit ton of money, merchandising, you know, influencing a lot of kids to want to be like him. And like, uh, like was said, they were pretty much, big top skaters were pretty much viewed as like rock stars back then. And maybe some of them are still viewed as that now. I'd say, yeah, I'd say a few are pretty much viewed like that. Especially considering the area and the prominence of the sport, you know. Um, and, and it's like that with many other areas. Like, there's certain people who are great in their profession from certain countries where when kids go and meet them, like, oh my God, you're a star. You know, you are the face of this sporting 
in 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 this thing. For like example, in the UK, tons of people might go up to Andy Murray and go, "You you know, you are the face of tennis for Scotland. You are the the, the greatest tennis player there's ever been. I I see you as an idol. You know, you're doing so much for the sport here. I idolize you so much. This sort of thing and other people for other things like Chris Hoy for cycling or you know so many other women in sporting events here so I am assuming he he was like that kids would come up to him all the time and say I idolize you so much you're doing so much for the sport I want to be like you which is good because having an idol is a great thing granted we've covered some people some celebrities in the past who now once we're perceived as idols by people, it's not seen that way now. And I'm a, and he's probably one of them where kids back in the day idolized him, but now feel felt betrayed uh, by the way that he's gone. So yeah, we're now going to talk about him meeting Jessica Bergsten, which uh, is a key figure in this case. So on one, another one of these wild tour dates in Scottsdale, Arizona, in 1987, Rogowski, then 21 years old, met two beautiful 17-year-old blondes from rich families, Jessica Bergsten and aspiring model Brandy McLean. Gator and Bergsten partied that entire weekend, which wasn't unusual considering the groupies that awaited him in every town. Uh, I, I, I don't mind... Uh, people being famous and all that but the whole groupies idea thing has always been a bit eh, of an iffy thing for me because like if personally if i was famous the last thing i want is groupies i don't know how people just get in that great mindset of oh yeah i can have girls whatever girl i want there's girls waiting for me backstage every gig that i go to you know that's just not something i I think is great because the stories and stuff that you hear from groupies, oof, yeah, you know what I mean. But I, like, I don't understand. I I understand why a lot of famous people like the groupie thing because they have women falling at the feet twenty four seven. But I also, but as someone who goes to gigs and does all this kind and everything, I don't understand why you'd want to be a groupie. Like, yes, yes, you have slept with this famous person, but at the same time, it's like, but they just will forget about you the next day. They're not going to fall in love with you, this whole thing. It, I don't understand it. Yeah, uh, I, 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 I don't get it either, but um, it, it wasn't unusual considering the groupies who were waiting in every town, but Brandy McLean was different. Soon he was flying her to San Diego to visit him, and a few months later she left Tuscon for good and moved in with him. So he's met Bergsten, but and this other uh, uh, woman, Brandy McLean. Brandy McLean is the key figure now, but Bergsten is the key figure later on. Um, so yeah, he met this Brandy, but she was different. Soon she was flying her to San Diego to visit him. And I said she left Tuscon in Arizona and moved in with him. They appeared together in numerous adverts, promo videos for Vision, which had become one of the top-selling skate brands of the 80s. And he has a board with Vision. He bought a ranch in the mountains near Tony Hawk's new ranch, which he'd equipped with a whole series of wood skating ramps. But Brandy became bored with the ranch, and a few months later, Gator sold it. They moved to a... Com- 
condominium in the upscale beachside community of Carlsbad, one block away from the ocean. Gator and Brandy were inseparable. Brandy says, We would get high every night. We wouldn't do coke every night, but we'd, but we'd uh, do bong hits. We'd go to the sandbar at the end of his street and get all fucked up. Then we'd hang out in his jacuzzi, get drunk out our asses, and go in and have wild sex all night. He spared no expenses on Brandy. So that she could join him at competitions, Gator's brother Matt Rogowski said he flew her to Brazil and Europe, he bought her two cars, she was a gold digger, but when they were together, they were absolutely in love, and you could see it. In late 1988, Rogowski was featured on the Swatch Impact Tour of 35 tour dates across the United States, which also showcased fellow pro skaters Jeff Phillips, Kevin Stab, Chris Miller, and Joe Johnson. In 1989, he also worked as a stunt double on the 1989 film Gleaming the Cube, which starred Christian Slater. And that's a film about skating. Uh, I've not seen it, but I know it's a famous film about skating. So he was a stunt double in that. And he and Brandy did modeling jobs together, and she appeared in his videos. And I didn't know this, but the two of them both appeared in Tom Petty's Free Fallen music video. And I went back and watched it. There's a scene in... Because I know Tom Petty's song, Free Fall, and I, I knew it from Lego Rock Band. But I've never seen the video, and I watched it recently, and there's a scene where there's skaters skating, and he is in that with her as well. So, yeah, um, they were in love, and she appeared in so many things that he did as well. So, you know, I guess it was the two of them were seen together very, 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 very uh, much around then. However... This is where his fame starts to dwindle because he has a popularity decline. While Gator was getting fat and happy cashing in on his skateboard fame, his popularity would decline. This was due to the rise of a new hipper type of skateboarding in the late 80s which challenged the dominance of his genre. So he is famous for vert skating. Do you have any idea what vert skating is? No, literally no idea. So there's two prominent types of skateboarding. You think skateboarding is all the same, right? So vert skate. So if you saw someone out in public, that's not the type of skating that he's famous for. Vert skating is the skating you commonly see where people are in half pipes bowls doing tricks at competitions. So see if you see like a like you know like, like the X Games where there's massive, those massive half-pipes where folk are doing tricks up them and that. That's vert skating. That is the type of skating oh, which okay. most people associate with uh, when you see the competitions. However, the new style of skating that became prominent in the 90s was a genre called street skating. So if you're out and about and you see someone in public grinding park benches, you know grinding monuments and stuff, going down flights of stairs, that's street skating. And that became very popular in the uh, 90s. And street skating was um, very popular among kids around then. And he was uh, not as known for doing that because he was known for vert skating. So skaters like Rodney Mullen is very famous for the freestyle skateboarding and street well, street skateboarding, and freestyle is just, um, uh, how do I explain freestyle? Freestyle is that sort of thing, if you ever watch Rodney Mullen, where 
it's just him and the board and he's doing tricks on his sort of own um which was popular kind of before then because Rodney Mullen is one of the most famous skaters because he's the one that's cre- uh, credited for creating the flat ground ollie kick flip heel flip oh, I think he's done I think he did the impossible in the 360 flip as well uh but Rodney Mullen is called is known as the godfather of street skating um sorry freestyle skating but he also did street skating but vert skating is what gator did but the rise in prominence of the street skating is what kind of led to his demise because it was a new hipper trend of thing you know kids and being in skate parks was fine but the new genre of street skating where skaters basically opted for urban obstacles like curbs garage uh, sorry garbage cans and stair and stairwells over the traditional skate parks uh street skaters wore their pads around their knees issued protective pads and helmets and counted on the frequent run-ins with the police so if you ever see those videos of like someone out of public and there's a car and going you can't skate there or there's police uh, you know the police are after them going hey you're skating on illegal property you can't do that that's you're more like street skating and uh, okay. you get that in some of the in, in games like skate three is a lot of street skating in that and it becomes very popular. So, like, the sound of boards smacking against the pavement, it was louder, more dangerous, seasonally anti-establishment, and therefore more appealing to kids. So, vert skating was rapidly becoming obsolete. Um, yeah, I think, because it was more dangerous, it's not more dangerous, but I think kids like the idea of grabbing their board and going, hey, there's a place in town, let's just, like, like skate these, uh, grind these rails down some stairs out in public and annoy the Karens sort of thing because it's different from having to go to a skate park and just shred a bowl you know you could do all the same tricks but you could do it out in the public like you don't have to go to a skate park you could just be skating down the street kick flipping off monuments and signs you know skitching the back of cars and that's that's the sort of thing when you see the videos of the Karens getting annoyed because I don't know what the rules technically are but some people just don't like you skating on property. And I think as a little kid, you know, or as a kid growing up being like, oh, shit, that old woman was so pissed at us, or let's skate here to piss off this person, or just, just skating in public, you know, because there's no holds of grounds to say what well, you can and can't. It's like riding a bike, you know. There's no areas realistically where it says you can't ride a bike here unless stated. You know, some people ride bikes, BMXs, in, like, actual bowls and stuff. But if you're riding a bike normally, ride it down the side of the pavement or ride on a pavement. There's no one to really say, you know, you can't do that. So the company Vision was about to file for Chapter 11 bankruptcy because of this rise. And Perry Gladstone said uh, of Gator, he was really worried about becoming a dinosaur. This was an entirely new type of skating. It was rad, more amped, and all the kids wanted to be a part of it. But except for Tony Hawk, none of the old pros could really skate both vert and street, and Gator was stressed out about it. Gator himself once told M4 just uh, how stressed out he was uh, he would get if he had to quit skating. He said, I'd probably have some suicidal tendencies. Not the band. I'd feel low. Cheap. I'd feel like nothing. Couldn't exist. No way. I'd kill myself. Lose my spirit. I'd float away, and my carcass would get buried. 
He tried to milk vert skating for all he could and talked to his family about marrying Brandy and settling down. So yeah, he was trying to just like cling on to the like nah vert skating, it's still popular, just trying to milk everything out of it. But when trends change, they change. And if people just aren't popular or aren't into the thing that's popular anymore, they ain't into it, you know? And this is back in the day before their smartphones and everything. So when trends change, trends change. And they, and kids wanted the street skit anymore. I guess it wasn't cool to do that sort of stuff. So he kind of fell out of favor. But he skating was everything. So without skating, he felt like he was nothing. Uh, then in October 1989, after competition in West Germany, uh, the party animal within him would uh, come back to bite him a bit. In his typical style, he spent the night getting wasted, wandering from party to party. He was partying with a bunch of skaters when he leapt out of a second-story window, convinced that he could fly. Although Gator himself doesn't remember what happened, some of his friends say that he was actually trying to sneak back into his hotel after hours by crawling up a terrace. Whatever the cause, the result nearly killed him. He landed on a wrought iron fence, impaling his neck, face and thumb. He survived and was patched up in Germany, but upon returning home, he spent months in San Diego with plastic surgeons trying to save him. When he emerged from the hospital, he shocked his family and friends and admirers. He looked the same, but sounded different. Gator said, Jesus Christ spoke to me through that accident. I was a blind dude, but now I can see. Um, Augie Constantino takes credit for Gator's metamorphosis. A skateboarder and former professional surfer who lived just two blocks from Gator uh, and Brandy, Constantino had suffered an accident similar to Gator's four years earlier. He says, I was in a while out drinking with some other pro surfers. After leaving the party, me and a friend of mine were playing chicken when he hit me head on doing 45 miles an hour. I guess I lost. The quadrips in his right leg were severed, ending his pro-surfing career. But Constantino decided uh, it was a message from God and that she, he should devote his life to Christ. Thus born the man known as the skateboard minister. In his stonewashed jeans, cowboy boots and bolero jacket, he stands out from his fellow Calvary Chapel parishers. He's built like a fire plug, wears a goatee and has one eye slightly askew as a result of his accident. Constantino said, I met Mark just before he left for Germany. From the office he keeps in the back of the church. He is, uh, well, he said that uh, from his, uh, when someone interviewed him, I think, in the church. He's vague about his official role at the church, where he, said, um, where he says he is a lay minister who runs a youth hotline, but he adds that officially he's a church custodian. He said, that he, uh, he said I introduced Mark to a personal God, a God the Father. Mark never had a father to speak of. I showed Christ to him, and as the Bible says, he is our own true father. So, of course, that appealed to Mark. It was around this time that Gator started calling himself a Mark Antony instead of Mark Antony Rogowski, because, as he later said, I didn't want to be associated with my father. When Gator's wound healed, he joined Constantino. He started covering his boards with religious... Oops religious symbols, and preaching to skaters, surfers, and anyone else who would listen about his secret friend, Jesus. Witt Rowlett, owner of Witt's Carlsbad Pipelines, the premier surf shop in Carlsbad, said that everyone was amazed. I believe in the Lord, don't get me wrong, says Rowlett, but Mark was just f fanatic. 
Everything he said was Jesus this, the Bible that. He was way into it. Others, however, dismissed it as typical behavior from Gator. Yeah, he was fanatic. But that's just it. He was fanatic about everything, says Gladstone. That was just Gator. However, his girlfriend Brandy would have none of it. Gator would drag her along to Calvary Chapel a few times, but she wasn't ready for the party to end. She said, We literally had sex five times a day. We were so in love. Then he met Augie and started saying, We can't have sex anymore unless we get married. And I'm like, wait a minute. We've been going out for four years, having mad sex for four years, and we can't have sex anymore? I can't deal with this. Later. Brandy moved in with her mother and stepfather, who had recently moved to San Diego. Mark was devastated. I think it upset him more than his accident in Germany, says Constantino. So yeah, basically, he has an accident, and he kind of just reverts to Christ and Christianity and Jesus, and then says to his girlfriend who he's madly in love with, yeah, we really can't have sex anymore unless we get married. And they've been having, well, as she said, f f sex five times a day. Which I don't think's normal. Uh, <laughs> I don't it, know. It, it depends on your relationship. Some people do. Some people. Some people have sex five times a day. Some people do it once every few days. It depends on your relationship, I guess. But it, no, no. I'd say it's, I'd say as long. I say it's. I'd say it's normal. Not like like I don't really know. It's like it's it's, it's, it's the amount of times you do it a day just depends on the relationship, so there's not really a normal and there's not really a, no a non-normal, I guess. Well, he's turned to Christ and he's kind of reverted to saying we can't have sex anymore, and she's like, well, I we've been having sex for so long, we've been going out for four years, I can't deal with this anymore. And then she um, moves in with her mother and father who moved to San Diego. But he, he nearly died from that accident. But this other person reverts him to Christ... And he might have also accepted Christ in the fact that he was popularity was declining. He tries to reinvent himself um, and preaches about Christ and this sort of thing. So it's this, it's this like hero at the top of his game. Then stuff changes and can't adapt with the rising trends. Like I said, Tony Hawk was one of the few people who could actually do vert and street. So he was okay. And Tony Hawk still becomes more prominent. But like... Mark just couldn't, and then it's like, shit, I can't adapt with the trends, I have an accident in the competition, I revert to Christ, my girlfriend then just can't deal with me in the way, ways of my thinking now. And he be he began a period of severe alcoholism following her departure. Despite his, uh, despite his newfound devotion to Jesus, Gator's response to Brandy leaving was decidedly unchristian, particularly after she started seeing one of the guys she surfed with. Gator started calling her mother's house, leaving messages on the answering machine. Brandy said, Mark was crazy. He would call me up, leaving all these freaky messages. He'd growl, you bitch, you cunt, you're gonna fry in hell from your toes. Weird shit like that. One night, Brandy came home to find someone had broken into her house through her window, taking everything that Gator had given her. Brandy and the police suspected it was Gator. He took it all back, including the car said Terry Jensen, an investigator for the San Diego County District Attorney's Office, to whom Brandy later recounted the story. It's kind of like a typical young teenage stunt. That's what you do when you're 15, 16 years old and you lose your first girlfriend. You want all your money back. Every necklace, every ring. You know, give me my high school jacket and my class ring because we're not going steady anymore. Well, that's what he did.
Brandy still hoped they might reconcile. On one such attempt, she invited Gator to take her out to dinner, but they start arguing as soon as they pulled out her parents' driveway. He was still so mad about the guy I was seeing, says Brandy. He was the one that told me to go and find one of my surfer friends to party with. So I did. I found this hot little blonde surfer guy, 6-1. And Mark was furious. He was driving out in the middle of this nowhere road, out where my parents lived, when he turned to me with this really scary, serious look in his eye. His voice got all deep, and you know, he sounded like the devil. He says, you know what? I should take you out to the desert right now. I should drive you out right in the middle of the night and beat the shit out of you and leave you there. And I would get away with it because everybody would know that you deserved it. I started crying and begging him to take me home right now. I'm like, my mother knows where I am. And he took me back. Brandy was scared enough to flee to New York, not telling anyone but her family where she was going. She didn't even tell her best friend Jessica, who we mentioned before, and Tiscan about the accident. So when Jessica showed up in San Diego a few weeks later, she called Gator, asking him to show her the sights. Everything I, that I hated about Brandy, I hated about Jessica, Gator would later tell the police. She was this, of the same mold that Brandy was made of. He told the police that he blamed Jessica for his breakup. Jessica, of course, I had no idea about any of this. Like Brandy, Jessica was tall, blonde, and beautiful, and her friends remembered her as tough, savvy, and adventurous. She was an incredibly talented, intelligent, free-spirited girl, recorded Brandy. She wanted to have fun and nothing else. We would go to Mexico together, and she would say, get so drunk that she would leave me there. If I couldn't get into bars because we were underage and had fake IDs, she would leave me outside for three hours, waiting while she drank. But we were best friends. We were very much alive. It was like, quick, we're going to have the very best lives, and we're going to have them now. So he meets up with Jessica Bergston, who he'd previously met up with before. And on Wednesday, March 20th, Jessica and Gator had lunch at an Italian restaurant in La Jolla, the ran, uh, then returned to his condo with some movies and a few bottles of wine. As she was getting ready to leave, Gator went to his car, um, ostensibly to see if his driver's license was there. Waiting in his living room, Jessica looked at the picture of his mantel, um, where or his mantelpiece, um, where Gator proudly displayed his favorite picture, uh, um, one of him skydiving facing the camera, uh, screaming at the top of his lungs while plummeting to earth. As she stared at the picture, this is where it all goes bad, Gator snuck up behind her, hitting her two, two, three times in the head and face with a metal steering wheel lock. She fell to the floor, blood gushing from her head so much that it soaked right through the carpet. He handcuffed her and carried her upstairs to his bedroom. And then, a bit of a trigger warning for this next bit, if you're not comfortable with this. There, he shackled her onto the bed, cut her clothes off with scissors, and raped her for two or three hours. Jessica, oh, still hell. conscious, begged him to stop, occasionally screaming. So yes, two, two to three hours. Two to three fucking hours he was doing that. Yep. Jesus Christ. And this, this is a, this is just after she, you know, she'd come back and met up with him, and they just went out on an Italian date in an Italian restaurant, 
um, came back to the condo as she was getting ready to leave. He just goes to his car, takes the um, uh, steering wheel lock, and comes a binder and just fucking smacks her right in the head. And bearing in mind, while she's being raped, there was tons of blood that was gushing from her head, and his entire carpet soaked. So that shows you how much blood there was. And yet, two or three hours is a fucking so, so long time for that to be happening. And she was still conscious, and she begged him to stop, occasionally screaming. In an attempt to shut her up, he pulled a surfboard bag from his closet and stuffed her inside it. She screamed that she couldn't breathe. He clasped his hands around her neck and strangled her. Gator flipped over his mattress to hide the blood that was there and put Jessica's body, her cut-up clothing, the bag, the handcuffs, and the club in the trunk of his car. He drove for two hours into the desert, pulled off the highway at a desolate place called Shell Canyon and buried her naked body in a shallow grave. Fucking As he drove hell! Back to- yep. Jesus Christ, he's like... <laughs> this, this, this guy literally went zero to a hundred in seconds. He went from hero to zero. Yeah, yeah. As he drove back to Carlsbad, he tossed her blood-stained clothes, his sheets, and the club out the window. On his way back to the condo, he rented a carpet steamer and cleaned out every spot of blood he could from the rug. When the police came to question him about her appearance a couple of weeks later, there was no evidence to be found. When Jessica's father had stopped, ca- um, Jessica's father had stopped. Um, you know, receiving calls from her after leaving for Southern California, and he was unsatisfied by the efforts of the San Diego police, he flew to San Diego himself to find her. He plastered the entire county with posters that read, Missing Person, where the picture of a uh, grinning Jessica, her vital statistics, 5'8", 115-pound, blonde hair, blue eyes, fair complexion, and a telephone number for the San Diego Police Department. He talked to her friends, he even met with Gator to ask about her whereabouts. Gator shook his hand and told him no, he didn't know where Jessica was. Bergston's efforts were to no avail. There were no other witnesses to her disappearance. Two months went by without any leads. But one of the posters stayed plastered up next to a phone booth at a 7-Eleven two blocks from Gator's condo. Next to the beach, with a pizza shop next door, the convenience store is a favorite hangout for young Carlsbad surfers and skateboarders. It was also a favorite place for Constantino and Gator to preach their message of Christianity to young kids hanging out. For Constantino, he was terrific bait for young skaters willing to listen to just about anything to meet Gator. One night at the 7-Eleven, remembers Constantino, Gator and I were witnessing... Uh, yeah, Gator and I were witnessing and... Oh no, sorry, they were witnessing during that thing. And I saw this young girl with what they call a miniskirt. I called them towels. I said to her, go and put some clothes on. And when you come back, I'd like to talk to you about Christ. And she said, I've got nothing to worry about. I've got no problems. I pointed to the poster. What about this girl? I said, she had nothing to worry about. But where is she now? She could have been involved in drugs, pornography. Maybe she's dead. The girl just ignored us and jumped into a car. But I got a strange reaction out of Mark. Gator. He was just kind of blank, silent. Seeing the picture of Jessica and seeing it in the presence of Constantino was too much for Gator. One night, after a Bible study at Constantino's house, 
Eater returned to the house with tears streaming down his face. I was getting ready for bed when I answered the door, recalls Constantino. He was crying and he said he was Judas Iscariot. We both sat and cried. We prayed for about an hour, asking God what we should do. About a week later, he came to me and said, Remember that girl on the poster? She was the one I killed. Constantino remembers what he told Gator as he drove him to the police department in the early morning of May 5th. I said to him, Mark, you don't need a lawyer. You don't need innocence unto proven guilty. What you do need a lawyer for if you answer to a higher power. If a person is accountable to God, then he's accountable to society, the Bible says that. Constantino scoffs at the idea that perhaps his legal advice wasn't the best, nor does he think it was unethical for him as a minister to turn someone in uh, to turn in someone confessing to him. Mark didn't come to me as a minister. He came to me as a friend. Anyway, I'm not an ordained minister. He knew exactly what was going to happen. The police were astonished that someone was turning himself in for a murder that they didn't even know had happened. Jessica's body had been found in the desert by some campers on April 10th, but the body was so badly decomposed that it could not be identified. The next morning, Gator led detectives to where he'd buried the body. Uncuffed, standing under the hot desert sun, Gator watched as they dug around for more evidence, photographed the site and talked to the police. When the police announced Gator's confession, the press jumped all over it. It was the lead story in the local newspapers, local television, ran nightly updates as the case unfolded on national TV. Hard copy did a dramatic reenactment of the rape murder and subsequent confession. The initial reaction of the skateboarding world street wing was best expressed by Kobe Newell, a 15-year-old who skated with Anthony at Carlsbad. He was getting old, Newell told the San Diego Union, but he was keeping up with the moves. Skating's more established wing reacted with a bit more shock. Perry Gladstone had just signed Gator to endorse a new line of skateboards for Fishlips, which ironically featured a takeoff of the 7-Eleven logo. I came home the night he confessed to find eighty seven I, I came home the night he confessed to find eighty seven messages on my answering machine. They were all reporters wanting t- uh, me to talk about Gator. My wife and I were with him two or three days every week for months setting this deal up. He was such a great guy, I just couldn't believe him. The violent anti authority imagery of skateboarding symbolizing the Thrasher's magazine's old motto, Skater Die, which is a great song by um uh, teenage Bottle Rocket, and has become like a... Because it's Thrasher's old logo, it's um, it's kind of in a synonymous thing with skating. Oh, you know, like skating? You can go skate or you could die. And the fact is, he's a skater, that's killed someone. Combined with the sex and bondage aspects of the murder, Fred the Press's center sensational treatment of the story. So yeah, not really good that their motto kind of ties in heavily with what's just happened and i'm assuming it was used for promos and stuff and kids were saying it all the time you know skater die i mean in the teenage ball rocket song um shut you you can shut up and get wrecked because now it's time to skate or die um the way a pussy doesn't need to cry so shut up and get wrecked because now it's time to skate or die and then this well their song is obviously released year, years years later but I can imagine that's a bit like, ooh, dear, ouch. Uh, one of the many videos Gator did with Brandy was called Psycho Skate, which fed the frenzy even more. 
Skateboarders felt the coverage was turning into an indictment of their sport, not just Gator. It's likely the skateboarding world will be placed under a microscope in the media, one thrasher. Let's just hope that we can all remain strong. He became a cause um, celebra in San Diego County. Kids decorated their jean jackets with the phrase, Free Mark Anthony, but there were also bumper stickers that read, Skateboarding is not a crime. Murder is. Mark Anthony should die. Skateboarders who talked to the press about it were ostracized. It was a terrible event for skateboarding, says Gladstone. Skating's no more inherently violent than heavy metal is inherently satanic. But people in the media try to make it seem as if skateboarding is a threat to the youth of America. I think you'll find that most skaters won't even talk about Gator. So he's committed this, and then the press and everyone's like, wow, skating, eh? That's a bit of a bad thing, isn't it, now? Like we mentioned beforehand when we did the um, case of Ricky Case Castle, when they were just like, oh, he liked this music. He was a killer. No, music's bad. They've kind of done the thing of like, oh, this guy's a very famous skater and he's killed. Well, that's not going to influence skateboarding. Uh-oh. You know. And I imagine for people who were skating then, they got slack. Parents and stuff were like, you can't be skating. That person was a skater and look how he turned out. It's a bad influence on you. But it's one really, person doing one thing, you know what I mean, ruins the whole Yeah, it's really, which is really shitty because skateboarders are actually... A lot of skateboarders that I've met are actually the nicest people ever. Like, they're really nice. They're really nice people. And they, they kind of just... When you see people skateboarding in the street, whatever, you, they just kind of keep themselves to themselves. They literally just don't want to get in anyone's way or they don't want to annoy people like they kind of just want to keep to like their little group they're not bad people for the ones that i've met and the fact that he's literally managed to tarnish the reputation of skateboarding by literally becoming a completely different fucking person is horrendous not in tarnish it a hundred percent completely because it's got a clean ish slate now yeah, but, but at, the, at the, the time, time, at the time, and bear in mind, this is like in the nineties, isn't it? Pretty much like late eighties, yeah. early nineties. Like anything, alternative stuff in modern, in present day, gets a bit of a bad reputation. But it's or people think the whole satanic thing, but it's not as that's not as big now. That whole accusation, it's not as bad as it used to be but around that point in time everything that was different was getting slated and having really bad things put towards it like if you played dnd you were told you were said if evil people thought that you were in a satanic cult uh if you liked metal music people think that you're just gonna be a murderer or a shooter all this kind of stuff and if you skateboard people think you're gonna turn out to be a horrific rapist and murderer yeah but what gladstone said gating's no more inherently violent than heavy metal is inherently satanic you know it's and then it's just the media is trying to um bounce off that you know i i am what was skating couldn't you know there's some violence in skateboarding if you know someone ends up being a killer which is what happened you know you know, there's heavy, there's satanicness in heavy metal music if a band forms, becomes famous, and directly says, yes, we're satanic, we endorse satanic, yes. But that's just one thing. 
and majority of it, no, skating's a way out for people. It's, it's a thing. But the fact that Gator, top of his game, had everything, loses it all, and then just be- out of nowhere becomes a, a killer. You know? Like, there's nothing... You know, he loses his wife because he turns to God. And then there's that part of the case where it is, like, when people lose something, they it fuels them, this rage in them. But he didn't even go after his girlfriend who left him. He goes just after someone who he'd met previously beforehand, then just goes on a date with when she comes back and meets him again. But for the whole skating community, it's just not good, you know. Throwing it under the bus and, you know, for everyone who once idolized Gator at that time is now thinking, crap, I don't idolize this guy anymore. People wouldn't even talk about him. It was probably one of those periods where when people were skateboarding, it was like, oh, you're skaters. Oh, yeah, Mark Gator, yeah. And then all the skater kids are just like silent, like, ooh. You know, like nowadays, if you're talking to a bunch of people who are into alternative music and then someone goes, hey, oh, yeah, you like alternative music? Oh, yeah. Mr. Watkins, Lost Prophets, what do you think? And everyone's just like, ooh, ah. Just don't want to talk. I feel like it's in that same realm of like, people might mention his name, but skaters and everyone were like, we don't mention him. That's, we don't talk about that. That's a bad, a bad thing. But yeah. he confessed. He confessed to the, the person who introduced him to Christ and said, look, the girl on the poster, I was the one that killed him. Took himself in, didn't didn't like try to hide her, and then just took himself in. But they they didn't know it was him. There was no evidence or nothing, you know. And he was the one that led them straight there to the body. So we're gonna talk about the hearing, prison, and parole. So the police continued to compile evidence in case Gator decided to plead not guilty to a murder charge. They found the blood stains under Gator's carpet and carpet cleaner receipt. Gator's accountant and instructed him to save all his receipts. Gator was charged with special circumstances. Committing a murder during rape while under California law can warrant the death penalty or life imprisonment without possibility of parole. Unable to get a lawyer, he was appointed a public defender, self-described glory seeker, John Jimenez, a short stocky for um, former PTA president who drives a Harley-Davidson. After taking the case... Jimenez, hope I'm saying that right, immediately challenged the validity of the confession, saying that Gator's minister had no right to turn him in. Jimenez uh, appealed to the rape charge, insisting that the decomposed body could show no signs of forcible rape. Although he never denied that Gator had killed Jessica, he suggested that it was her own fault. He told a reporter that Jessica was a slut, horrible word, claiming to have a long list of people with whom she had sadomasochist sex, including the entire University of Arizona basketball team and a handful of pros. The names, however, were off the record. Hey, says Jimenez, it's like Sam Kinison said, some girls just turn Mr. Hand into Mr. Fist. That's a horrible thing to say. I mean, this man's appeal, uh, uh, appeal to rape charge insisting that the decomposed body could show no signs of forcible rape. He didn't deny that Gator killed him, but he said that it was her own fault. What? How the fuck? This, 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 this guy's talking out his arse. You know, his public defender. Fucking hell. He's much of a knob too. 
At the time these remarks were made, the San Diego Metropolitan Homicide Task Force was investigating the murder of 44 women whose bodies had been dumped in isolated places around the county since 1985. Eventually, when the higher court refused to toss out the rape charge on Jimenez's advice, Gator pleaded guilty to first-degree murder and rape, thus avoiding the death penalty or life without chance of parole. At the January 1992 hearing in which he entered his plea, Gator submitted a remarkable four-page written statement that hinted at the struggle going on in his mind before his crimes. During its commission and afterwards, in the statement he admitted that although his original confession was directed by the Lord, in the subsequent eight months he had been tempted to dodge responsibility to saving myself as well as others, but now, at last, I've been led to uh, to, a... Fulfill true repentance, having nothing to hide. Thank God. Finally able to express. My regret and my sorrow over our loss of Jessica, Gator tried to explain why he'd done what he did. Two months prior to the incident, he wrote, I found myself in the midst of a surprisingly strange and almost uncontrollable feeling. All at once, the plague of vile visions and wicked imaginations and the daily battles of the past then was overwhelming. It's no exaggeration to say I became completely enslaved to these devious mental images and inescapable thoughts. Essentially, I became a victim first because I turned my back on God in several ways, thinking I could get through it on my own power. Slave victim, but still expressing regret and without defer deferring the blame for my actions, Gator targeted three things that influenced his state of mind. Firstly, sex outside of marriage, i.e. promiscuity, premarital sex, and cohabitation, the disease of jealousy, and the unhealthy obsession that so often attaches to these. Secondly, pornography and its addictive character. Ranging from risky public advertising all the way to hardcore S&M, the dehumanizing of women and men and the stalling of the senses occur at all levels. Porn is a consuming beast. I can say that porn can be a very consuming beast. Uh, people do struggle with having porn addictions oh, yeah. and watching porn all the time. Uh, thirdly, closing the ears and heart to God's counsel, including partial or non-repentance and disobeying and ignoring the Bible. So people, we must realize, without reduction, the gripping strength and deceptive subtly, subtly, um, subtly of sin, I think I'm saying that right, sorry. What will it take for us to examine ourselves and listen? The tragedy of an innocent young woman's death? The fall of your favorite celebrity? Okay. Perhaps the imprisonment of your best friend or relative. I know the Lord forgave me 2,000 years ago on the cross at Calvary. And although I attempt to forgive myself daily, wrote Gator, the struggle of his ultimate culpability still raging in in his head. I haven't been quite able and never been able to do so. So... Yeah, Rogonski was sentenced on March 6th, 1992. Five uniformed bailiffs with metal detectors were at the hearing due to a rumor Stefan Bergsten, the father of the victim, would attempt to harm Gator. Bergsten lost two properties due to his involvement with a nationwide drug ring, and he allegedly had nothing to lose by harming Gator. With the bailiffs uh, standing between um, Gator and Bergsten, um, Gator offered an apology while Bergsten shouted back he was a coward who would die a thousand deaths. 
Uh, Rogowski received a 31, uh, 31 to life prison sentence, uh, six years for a forcible rape, and 25 years to life for the first degree murder charges to be served consecutively. Uh, Gita was denied parole on February 7, 2011. Deputy District Attorney Richard Sachs argued that Rogowski remains an unreasonable risk to society and should remain imprisoned, while a family member of Bergston also attended the hearing and requested Rogowski remain incarcerated. On February 6, 2015, another parole hearing was scheduled, but Rogowski were, uh, waived his right to a hearing for one year. On March 9, 2016, he was again denied parole for seven years. On December 10th, 2019, multiple media reports indicated that Rogowski's parole board recommended parole. The California Board of Parole Hearings finalized the decision and the case went before the California Governor's Staff for Review. On April 27th, 2020, Rogowski's parole grant was reversed by Governor Gavin Newsom, stating Rogowski's needed to gain a deeper understanding of his crimes. In June 2022, a San Diego County Parole Board granted Rogowski parole with his attorney, citing the parole board's trained psychologists found him to be a low risk of danger to the public. This was to be followed by a 120-day review period by the board and then up to 30 days for the governor to make a final decision. However, Governor Gavin Newsom again reversed the parole board decision, ensuring Rogowski would continue to serve his sentence. As of November 2023, Rogowski Gator is incarcerated at Donovan Estate Prison. So there we go. Well then. That is the case of Mark Anthony Rogowski or Gator. literally went zero to a hundred very quickly. Yeah, and he wrote a zero. I wasn't alive then. I'm not from that area. But if anyone is listening and they were in alive in the 80s and into skateboarding in San Diego or I guess anywhere in the US maybe, they'll definitely probably just remember him. And he was probably like an idol to them. But now, you know. Yeah, fucking hell. It's just the fact that he went from having... A very normal relationship that seemed to be working very well. He got, he had this injury. He then ended up becoming technically a born again like Christian, whatever. And then decided, no, we can't have sex anymore unless we get married. She clearly didn't want to do that. I think, I think she could tell he was gonna become a very different person. Like, I don't think it would have just been the whole, like, we have to get married. If we can't have sex anymore, we need to have, we need to get married first. I don't think that would have been the entire reasoning for her leaving the relationship. I feel like she must have had a feeling, if this is where he's going with this, what else is he going to, like, to, what else is he going to change his opinions on that's not going to work for us anymore? But it's the fact that, yeah, he didn't go after her. He went after a completely different person and did a horrific thing to her. Yeah, but the person he did go with was friends with. Yeah. It, um, yeah it, who he'd met previously from traveling as well. But I, I will say as well, um, 
in terms of media, there is a documentary examining um, his trajectory. It's called Stoked the Rise and Fall of Gator. It was released in 2002 by Palm Pictures, and the film was written and produced by Helen Stickler. And it features interviews from other professional skateboarders like Tony Hawk, Kevin Stab, Lance Mountain, Ken Park, Steve Caballero, Jason Jesse, Craig Johnston, Daisy um, Peralta, and Rogoski. However, since California laws provi- uh, California law prohibits video interviews with prison inmates, uh, Rogoski was interviewed over the recorded prison phone for the documentary, and he gave details on his background, his downfall, and remorse for murdering Jessica Bergston. And the case was featured in an episode of Shattered on the Investigation Discovery Channel, and it features interviews with the lead investigator Brandy McLean, which is his girlfriend, and the minister. Augie Constantino, the one that converted him to God, but I've not watched it, but I, I'm going to watch it stoked, The Rise and Fall of Gator, because it has interviews with all the other professional skaters, and for them to be friends with him and see, you know, like when people do stuff, and it's like, oh, people do stuff for the long run, but so many people just fall off, and they fade away, or they just go out. It's one, it's one of those cases, you know? You get that in so many areas, where it be rock, rock stars, film stars or whatnot, famous film stars be like, oh yeah, I was friends with this person, but they just didn't have the longevity. They went out. So I'm assuming in this, a lot of the skaters said, yeah, you know, Mark was the top of his game, but he just fizzled out and he just went down a horrible path. And then he's, that's where he is. You know, like all these other skaters haven't done that and they're, they, they still get credit and they're still getting the fame for skateboarding and, you know. Yeah. yeah no. But it is, interesting case definitely an interesting one yeah it is because people know skateboarding but i don't think you would have ever thought wait there was a very professional skateboarder like top of the game that committed a murder and in prison because i didn't think that because i knew a bunch of famous skaters you know but none of them i thought no there's nothing nothing bad mullen nah tony nah like new ones like sheckler nah caballero no no None of them had done bad, and then this guy, and I was like, oh shit, never heard him before. But yeah, it's just so weird, I don't know. I'd have to watch that uh, that documentary to see what he actually has to say about it, because he had everything. And granted, there was the change in style to street skating. Street invert is still as popular now, you know. It, it didn't fizzle out, you know. We know Tony Hawk did the first ever 900 and a kid and a kid recently actually did the first ever um is it one one eighty who was the guy's name give him credit oh God, yeah got oh, yeah. curry yeah I've seen that I've seen it's that. the twenty eleven x games Vert skating still popular he lands the first ever one eighty in front of Tony Hawk at the x games that guy's twelve and he does a one eighty oof in front of Tony but yeah like you know, vert skating is still popular and street skating is still popular. So, you know, I know his popularity dwindled, but he could have just, you know, not... I granted the accident, but even though his popularity declined, he could have still had some fame. You know, maybe tried out the street skating thing, you know. I know trends change, and if you can't keep up with the trend, you have to reinvent yourself. And that's ever more pro- prevalent now when you do stuff. Because fame can be so short nowadays, you can get fame so quickly, but die out so quickly. But he just, out of nowhere, just commits a murder, and his life's just down the shitter. But 
yeah, this one I was super excited to do. I'm so engrossed in the skating culture and to think that there was a pro at the top who's now just in prison for a murder. Nuts. And maybe it's giving people an insight to skating or people are more intrigued into skating now than they were before. Because I think skating is an absolute great sport. And it's not. It's a sport. It's a sport. I'm going to die in the hill. It's a sport. And it's not a nuisance. I know people that say that skating's not a sport. It doesn't take talent or anything. It does. It's in the Olympics, so it's a sport. It's in the Olympics now. It's in the Olympics. And it deserves to be. Yep, it's in the Olympics, so it is a fucking sport. Also, it's definitely... I don't understand how people don't think it's a, it's a skill, because it's not majorly easy to do. I've tried skateboarding. It's not an easy thing to to do especially not an easy thing to do that many skills with it's not that easy it takes a lot of years of practice and being very committed to it to achieve this yeah i, I would say to anyone like that i'm like okay skating skating's not skills not hard all right get on that board and do a christ there do a christ there like, oh no yeah you can do a christ there i thought so you're also saying you also can say to them like oh try and do this move but you'll call it by the actual move name and they'll go what's that yeah, most people don't know a lot of the trick names. So, exactly. You know. So it, it, it's it's one of those where it's a it's a it's a sport that has a lot of skill and can cause a lot of injuries as well. And and yeah, it's a literal sport in the Olympics now. So, and also these people will say that it's not an actual skill and stuff like that, but they'll go ahead and play the Tony Hawk games. Yeah. And hey, Tony Hawk Games has influenced skating and done so much for it. And all the songs and everything. I am actually, now when I'm saying it, in a couple months, there's a Tony Hawk's cover band that's coming and doing a tour in the UK and they're coming up here and I'm going to see them because one of my mates' bands supported them. So I'm going to see them and have a great time. But, you know, skating has had a massive, massive culture that's spread across the world. And even though this has happened hasn't really tarnished the reputation but it's just one of those things where period of time this happens chaos ensues i'm assuming amongst people's view on skating but it hasn't tarnished it now but now you know that murders don't just happen in uh you know the the realms you think it can it can it can be in other realms so now we we've recovered our first skating case there's maybe others i don't know but there you go yeah, we'll probably go into some more athletes that have committed horrific crimes because there's a fucking lot of them. There's a lot and, and so there many is. like like different sports. I feel it, like it's just nuts. Football, unfortunately, has the reputation of them being pedos. Yeah, and American football as well. There's a couple of bad people in there I, uh, I there saw. There is, yes, there is. So th- this will not be the last time you'll hear us talk about a murderer that is famous for a sport. Like, that's not. It's not going to be the first time. There's definitely going to be more. But he's in prison. He's not getting from... Well, I don't think he's getting out, I no. No, I don't think he's getting I out. I know he's not a threat, but the, the way they're looking at it is, no, we need to keep him in prison. Yeah, it's one of those where you went zero to a hundred very, very, very quick. How do we know you're not gonna do this again? Like, it's not. I'm not. We're not risking it because you, you at first, you didn't. Ha- you weren't at first. You weren't the type of person to do this. And then randomly, you completely switched. Like, no, we're not trusting you. And plus, and I mean, like, it's, is it bad? Go on. 
I was going to say, is it bad now to own a Gator skateboard? You can still get some. You you can still buy them. It would would it be bad to rock a Gator skateboard? I don't think so. And the only reason why I'm saying I don't think so is because he's not making any money from it. That's the thing. He's not. He literally is not making a single penny from it in the slightest. Um, it's also one of those where you would have to really like the only people who will know what that kind of skateboard is are people who are very, who know a lot about what happened either people who were around when this happened or just people who have extensive knowledge but at the end of the day he's not gonna make any money from it it's not like it's not like he was in a band and you listened to his music still like that it's not it's not like that it's something that he made, but you, he's not going to fucking get anything from it. Yeah. He's not going to get any. What's it? He's not going to get anything. He's not making any money because it's literally illegal for. Um, wow. It's, a, it's, it's, it's I'm pretty sure it's against the law for um, prisoners to make money outside of prison. Like they can't get money from it so it's not gonna go to him so i, well, I mean like he can. I'm on ebay there's a vintage mini vision gator skateboard that i've just seen and a couple others as well but this one is going for 282 pound it's not i thought it was going for, to for an og board i think there's quite a lot but you can you can still buy some of them i don't know if it would be bad to rock it and um, maybe i feel like if you're in Southern California, maybe, but round here, I don't know, but there's, a, there's many other skate brands now. Um, but thing is, it's one of those things where you know it's a Gator board, because like I said, his name is plastered on the bottom, and it says Vision the Company, and it says Gator. But I guess if it didn't have his name on it, maybe it's not as bad, because you need to know it by the design. True. Like with like a bird, like a bird. Yeah. Like, like a birdhouse deck. Um, like a birdhouse skateboard deck says birdhouse on it and has the B but did you know Tony Ox's uh, nickname was Birdman no but then again I don't See? know I didn't really know much about skateboarding so and it's, you know like, Tony Hawk but that's, you, like, if you didn't know his name was Birdman or know he owned birdhouse you know, to, and he did something bad yeah, which he would never do no you'd have to be living under a rock to not know the name Tony Hawk and what he does you'd have to be living under a fucking rock yeah, I'm in the birdhouse deck now. But yeah, so like the only like literally as I said at the start of the episode, the only connection that I have towards skateboarding is obviously I know who Tony Hawk is, uh, Bam from Jackass, and then I know that he's a, he's a, yes he's a professional wrestler, but he also it his whole thing is that he's a, he's a skateboarder. He goes to the ring on his skateboard. So it's like a whole thing, but yeah, Darby Allen. That's kind of the only. But Matt, that's and only... a lot of bands known nowadays have skateboards yeah. as merch. Yes, yes, they do. So skateboarding has got its reputation back after this horrific thing, uh, which is, which I'm really happy that skateboarding has has gone. Back. Oh yeah, it, it, it didn't it. diminish it really at all. But it's just that period in time yeah. of the subculture where it went south. 
and anyone who isn't a skating or knows about it or us now can go, oh yeah, skating's great, but there was the period where yes, yeah. But yeah, this was a very interesting episode. Thank you for covering this one this week. No problem. But yeah, guys, we will be back next week with another episode and we hope you very thoroughly enjoyed this one. Like I said, this will not be the last time you hear an episode that involves a crime happening, a crime being committed by someone who is famous in a particular sport. Because it's like we said, there's quite a few. Uh, but we'll cover some more, 100%. But we will hope you enjoyed this episode. Hope you have a good weekend. If you are like at, like me and you are at a Bring Me the Horizon show this weekend, please tell me how you thought it was. Please tell me. Please have a good time. Be safe in the pits because I've heard some really bad stuff about um, gig etiquette going out the window nowadays. So be careful and have a good time if you are going there just like I am. But for the, and for everyone else. Have a very good weekend, have a very good week, and we will see you next time. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.